So before we dive into today's episode with Shane Finn, I just wanted to inform all the listeners of the main reason for this episode and getting Shane onto the podcast was to learn and spread some information for an event that is coming up. Myself and my fiance Abby have decided to run our first marathon in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. The run will take place on St. Patrick's Day at 10 a.m. We are looking for support in any format that people can give us. Uh, whether that be a small donation and um, whatever amount that people can give or also we're looking for people to join in in the training and to join in on the day to either complete a, a 5, 10, half marathon or marathon and we're also looking for people to either run or walk whatever your fitness level most of those distances uh, people can definitely walk 5k so we're looking for people to uh, get involved with that as well we obviously don't know what the situation will be with restrictions at that time so we are looking for this event to be done remotely or a virtual race and um, so that people can do it in their current locality and will obviously if the circumstances stay the same people will have to do it in 5k loops uh, to stay within their travel restrictions but yeah, hopefully uh, you get a lot from Shane's advice today and we're looking for people to, as I said, donate as little or as, as much as they can um, and get involved on the day. There will be a Strava group that we have set up for people that have already got in touch that want to train with us. Um, we have programs set up for those people that uh, maybe have an, an idea of how they're, they're going to go about their training. And uh, yeah, I think we have about 18 runners in our Strava group so far, so we're looking to increase that. Um, we're coming to the end of week one we're hoping to have a thousand euro raised by the end of week one um, and to increase that as we go through the weeks for the Irish Cancer Society so thanks and uh, enjoy the show welcome to the optimize your life podcast in association with popproductivity.com the self-improvement podcast designed for you to optimize your human performance through evidence-based strategies practical tips and advice to take your productivity and well-being to the next level. Sit back and enjoy with your host, Peter Shaw. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Optimize Your Life podcast. Today, I am joined by Shane Finn from the Pushing Limits podcast. Shane, how are you? Doing well, Peter. Yeah, doing well. It's 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 uh, it's pouring rain here in Dingle, but other than that, we're doing okay. Um, yeah, hanging in there with the with with what third lockdown now. I'm starting to lose count, but uh, you know, hanging in there and then uh, all is good and we're we're fit and we're healthy and the family are healthy. So I suppose at the current climate, that's all we can ask for, really. You're you're just in from a training session. What was the distance? What were we running today? Uh, I'm spread out here now on the couch. I know you can see me on the video, the video <laughs> format, but um. Uh, today was just an easy kind of one hour, 10 minute run, uh, one hour, five there, thereabouts. So 13 and a bit K. So n- nice and steady, steady as she goes. I do a lot of, a lot of steady training, nothing too, nothing too taxing. Cause uh, in, in my gig, um, you have to train hard, but you also have to not go too hard so you can train again the next day. So uh, yeah, it's kind of, that was it. So nothing too crazy. Yeah. So today's episode is, is mainly going to be based around uh, what Shane does, which is a lot of endurance running, a lot of training, but for those people that maybe haven't any interest in in doing that or, or looking into any training like that, Shane is a, an expert, obviously, in performance, in human performance, and uh, has some impressive feats that we'll go through um, later on in the episode. But Shane, for those people maybe that haven't been following yet or haven't listened to your podcast, do you want to give us a bit of an indication of how you got to where you are today and uh, the journey so far? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> if you're not into endurance, I might come across as really boring. But um, other than that, I suppose, look, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 28. I'm from 
born and bred in Dingle, uh, County Kerry, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, fitness has always been a massive part of my life. Um, very much so the last 10 years, but even as a child growing up, um, I think any young lad or girl that grew up in, in Ireland, not just rural Ireland, you know, it was just, especially where I'm from, it was just Gaelic football from the minute we could stand or walk. And, uh, it's funny, even in school growing up, there were no other sports. We didn't play other sports. It was just Gaelic football. That was it. Um, we'd get given out if we played soccer or something like that. So, you know, it was just Gaelic football for us growing up. Bit of hurling, uh, would you believe, actually, as well, here and there. But it was mainly mainly Gaelic football. So I didn't run my first marathon until I was 18. Um, again, still very young to be running your first marathon. Any uh, exercise science or sports scientist friends I have, they grimace at the fact of an 18 year old running a marathon and uh, they were probably correct to be doing that because um, I had no clue what I was doing and I just wanted to run a marathon to raise money for my cousin Mary who um, my cousin Mary I suppose is the focal point of a lot of a lot of what I do and what I've done uh, she lives with a condition called spina bifida and hydrocephalus so I suppose to uh, to explain that um, her, she has a split spine basically so when a spina bifida baby is born um their spine doesn't meet and that, that's what causes the condition the, the hydrocephalus then is is fluid on the brain so um you know if uh, your spine actually drains a lot of the fluid out of your brain so if there's a spinal issue you can sometimes have hydrocephalus as well and, and, and my cousin does does have both and suffers quite badly with both so even growing up as a young lad uh you know uh 10 8 9 10 years old i always just knew that my cousin mary was it was harder for her and I, I, I actually distinctively remember as a child um, feeling bad at times like Christmas and summer, you know, like family gatherings and like we'd be outside in the yard, like boys against girls, like football or whatever it might be. It might be cousins from Cork against cousins from Kerry or something and she'd never be able to play. And I used to always feel bad. She used to have to sit there and just watch us. So I suppose I had that in my head as a child growing up. And then I suppose, you know, I became an adult and I was like, well, look, there's this thing called the Dingle Marathon. You know, in my world, that was the only marathon in the world. I hadn't a clue. I was only playing, I was playing football with, with Dingle J actually at the time. And um, I remember I played a, a senior challenge match uh, with the club on the Thursday night and then ran the marathon Sunday morning. And um, everything I've done to this date, uh, we might go through some of them. I still stick by my 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 method and my, my way of saying that the hardest thing I've ever done is that first marathon because um I was oh no <laughs> so underprepared man like I, I tell you to, like if you can just paint a picture of a raw young fella going in to run a marathon that was me um I ran six miles twice and I played a senior football match two nights before that was it I didn't train I didn't know what nutrition was I didn't know what recovery was I didn't know what pacing was I didn't even really know what running was uh, running for me was just running, you know, running at training at, for football. That was it. So did it anyway, muscled my way through it literally and uh, was in a lot of pain. And I remember going to college. I started college in UL on the Monday after running my first marathon. And I remember until the Thursday, I didn't go to any lectures. I were upstairs in the first floor of the main building in UL because I couldn't go up or down the stairs. And I was just like, fuck that. I can't. I'm just, my legs are destroyed. But about a month passed, and I'm not joking, about a month passed, and, you know, I kind of started to come around again. I was like, I think I can do, I, I can do another one, and I, I can do it better, you know, and I was like, I'll raise money again for the, for the charity. So 
literally lost the run of myself after that. I ran Cork, New York, Dublin, and then, you know, one wasn't enough. I had to, I was, I suppose, I was, you know, at this point now, I had kind of quit playing football. And I was just like, I just want to run. And um, I suppose I found something, you know, that I was good at. Well, maybe I wasn't good at, at the start, but I knew I could see massive progress in it. It was the first time in my life, I suppose, that first marathon where, in essence, it was the only time I'd ever actually done anything for myself or on my own. You know, in a team sport, um, and I love team sports. Like, I'll sit down and watch any team sports, you name it, I'm watching it. But in a team environment, you're surrounded by 14 other lads so if you have a bad day you can still win um and i suppose it, it, you know in my in my case that marathon there was nobody there to help me and it was a bit of a, a kick in the backside really because you know i was 18 i thought i had it all figured out and by god i tell you one thing after that first marathon i i knew i was a very very uh raw and i knew nothing about fitness or training or performance so yeah fast forward you know i suppose from there uh I actually dropped out of college because I hated science and I went back to, to, to Dingle and I was like, right, what am I going to do? You know, I was like, I love fitness. So I went back, I did strength conditioning, you know, I did all the PT courses. I did everything I could. And myself, my business partner, Mark, we set up WK Fitness in 2013. So in 2013, uh, 20, early 2014, we opened up our gym and uh, I went to a seminar in Dublin one day and I was just like, you know, driving up and now, in fairness, my van was on its last legs anyway. I'd say I was, I, like myself, I was, uh, it had been pushed to its limits. And um, I came out of the seminar anyways, and the van wouldn't start. And that was the start of my next endurance journey. It didn't start that evening, but it, it, it started in my head. And uh, I rang my father, and I was like, this van won't start. <laughs> what will I do? And he started laughing at me. He said, you can run home. And uh, so again, you know, from the geography of Ireland, uh, you know, Dingle and Dublin are on the opposite sides of Ireland. And uh, anyways, I got the van started. The AA came and they got the, I got the van started. I didn't even know what was wrong with it. And um, I was driving home and I was just like, geez, that's, that's not a bad idea. And I clocked it anyways. And I was, you know, so literally about 11 months later, um, I ran from Dublin down to Dingle. It was my first kind of multi-day ultra-endurance event. And at this point now, I was all in on ultra-endurance. It was it. I had no more team sports, no nothing. Uh, obviously, we had the gym and things like that. So, you know, I was, in a, I was in the right environment. I was training every day. I was training people. I could train myself at any point, you know. So I was in a great place for it. Um, and then I suppose that catapulted me on after that. I did a few ultras, a couple of Ironmans, went to Australia to do a couple of races, you know, and then I suppose the idea of the 24 marathons came, you know, and a lot of people think that, oh, it's just double 12. And it, it is, it is just double 12. But, um, you know, my cousin Mary was going through a bit of a rough, a rough period. And uh, I have just by complete another chance, I happened to meet one of her doctors uh, in a restaurant in Dingle, actually. And uh, we got chatting and, you know, he was like, oh, you're, you're the cousin uh, that, does the running and I'm just like yeah that's me he goes geez she never shuts up about you I was like what oh, she's sorry about that so you know as people were leaving we were kind of on a family dinner you know is you know he just kind of you know kind of nudged me with his elbow and he said look I don't know if you know but that girl feels the feeling of pain 24 hours a day and I remember like that it was Christmas uh it was Christmas of 2015-2016 and I remember, and it's a bit extreme when I say it, I don't really say it in front of groups because it's a bit graphic, but I, I, I say it like in interviews and I say it you know, to people, but we all remember like where we were when we heard the news of 9-11 in that terrible, like terrible thing that happened in New York. That was like another moment, another 9-11 moment for me. 
Um, so I knew at that point, you know, that Christmas, I was like, I, I got it. I have to do something like, and the 24 hours a day stuck in my head. So I was just like, like, you know, I feel pain for maybe <laughs> a, a, a set of deadlifts or a hard training run or something. Do you know what I mean? And it's not even real pain, you know, it's burn it's, and it goes away after a minute or like an hour or whatever, you know, but that stuck with me. And I was just like, that's when I came up with the idea to do the 24 marathons in 24 days in 24 counties. Um, and that was a massive success. And we can, we can get into it, but, you know, we've raised, we've raised to date, we've raised nearly over 300 grand uh, for, for the charity, which is phenomenal. And I say we, because it's not just me, you know, there's, we, there's a whole team of us there. I know, like I said, I don't, I don't do any team sports anymore, but I kind of do when you think about it. I have all, you know, when I do these things, it's very much so a team thing um so yeah and then obviously america came up as well and i had to give up running around ireland because i was running out of roads and people were kind of getting sick of us so i was like i better jump ship here and go to a different continent for a while at least so you know then the idea came to run across uh run and bike across america in, in 2019 and i'm lucky i did because covid would have covid would have cleared it out in 2020 so uh, we were con contemplating pushing it back to 2020 because there was just a lot of variables and we decided not to and just go for it um, and that was an experience in its, in, in, in its own right as well. Um, and yeah, I suppose I'm still alive to tell the story. And I know a lot of things have happened between running that first marathon and, and, and getting on, on this call now as well, you know, but I suppose that's the, uh, that's the gist of it. And uh, yeah, look, I just, I just, I've enjoyed it. I've had fun and uh, I hope to continue doing so for another while. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, what a story you've had there. You're you're the David Goggins almost of Ireland at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I was just listening to his audiobook the other day, and it was all oh, coming yeah. back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just missing the three weeks of uh, three hell weeks. I don't know if there's such thing as a hell week in Ireland. I think we've had a few hell weeks in Ireland over yeah. the last couple of months, but uh, we've all gone through. The moment there where you said the worst thing you've ever done or the hardest thing you've ever done was run your first marathon didn't really resonate too well with me, to be honest. As I know, I, I saw your face, intro. yeah. Um, so yeah. we're obviously doing the first marathon in uh, in a few weeks in the, on, on St. Patrick's Day, but take us back to the first marathon um, for people maybe that are in the same situation as myself and my fiance and, and a couple of friends and family. What is the issue with running a first marathon myself? Uh, I suppose the biggest thing is seven weeks of training, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure you're going to try to talk me out of it. But uh, look, you have to do it now. I rarely talk people out of stuff, um, to be honest, because I like it'd be hypocritical of me to do so because I would very it'd be difficult to talk me out of something like that. So, you know, I know I'm always encouraging people to to do these things. I suppose, you know, when I look back, right, I've run over 100 marathons now. Um, you know, in the last number of years, for me, it's it's people maybe just not being prepared, and it's easy again for me to say that because I was not prepared, and I know exactly what it's like not to be prepared. I know what it's like not to be prepared, and even not know that you're not prepared on the start line of a marathon. So for me, I think you know, just simply keeping the training as simple as you can. So things like this, we make it very complicated. Uh, training and fitness and, and you know, strength training, everything is, is complicated, complicated, complicated. I like to do the complete and utter opposite and make things as simple as I can. Um, for me, for anybody I train, anything like that. And like I've helped numerous, I even say hundreds of people do anything from 5K all the way up to 200K races now. And the, the philosophy and the principle is the same. Keep it as simple as you can. Don't put yourself under too much pressure um, and just be honest with the training. That That's that's the biggest thing for me. And like, you know, it's funny I say this now, but I'm like, respect the distance. And that's something as well, you know, that I think if I was to 
you know, if I had to pick one thing that, you know, beginners should focus on when getting ready for their first marathon would be respecting the distance and, and, and like making sure you got your long runs done. That is, that's for me is, is, is probably one of the most important things. So the longest run I've ever done was 18K and it was last Saturday. Good stuff. You've got seven um, weeks. Like, I, I suppose the, the worries I have are people telling me, 30 kilometers in the legs can just shut down it could be a disaster you're going to blow up um like the 18k was fine and actually at the end we we started kicking the two of us uh, against each other we both had our earphones in and i was like this is supposed to be an easy run and she's going steady pace here like and i think we did like 430 or something on the last one and then my knees the next day were just in mm. bits so i suppose like, is there a number that you kind of have to have confidence-wise uh, in terms of oh. uh, to get into the legs as your last kind of training run? Because obviously, I think we have uh, on our plan something like 30K or 32K um, as one of the last runs. But I'm like, maybe we should push that to 34 or 36 just to see how we get on. Yeah, like my, my thoughts on this, and this is a huge debate amongst running coaches, and not even a debate, it's a discussion really. Like some it depends on who's coaching or what plan you're following. If the coach that wrote that plan, you know, is like, this is the way you gotta go. Well, and it might work for 80% of the people, but you might follow a different one and it'll also work. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how do we get a young lad or you know, how do we get a a, a person strong? Do you know what I mean? You could do it in numerous different ways, you know what I mean? But like for me, like there's underlying thing is that i do like people to go beyond 20 miles when when training especially for the first marathon me personally um we actually created a little mini course on my website and basically we've got people going to like 23 23 miles that's like 35 and a bit k um it's a lot but what that does is that gets you two things that gets you physically you'll physically feel what it's going to be like and and mentally you know what it's going to be like almost there basically so you're going to kind of 23 miles about three miles from the finish just for me people that go to to 20 that's fantastic but there's six miles there that's 10k that's a lot of ground to cover that you've never been in you know what i mean so it's like you're you're, you're pushing into that kind of red zone i like i like to use a i like i love watching documentaries on mount everest right there they have the death zone which is above 8300 meters so i like people to kind of go into the death zone a little bit and then come back out so they know what it's like um, and then they go back down the mountain just to acclimatize and they can go back up again before they go for the summit you know so it's the same same relatively kind of a similar principle so yeah i kind of like people to go above 30k really so 32 33 34 depending on how, how long they have um ideally seven weeks probably not a massive amount of time if you had more time i actually like people to do two of them um so we might do like a 20 i'm talking miles here 20 miles uh, we might do a 22 uh, a 20 and then another 22 but it, again it there's a lot of variables it kind of depends on how much time the person has and how they actually respond to the increase in load and distance you know what i mean so like one of the things i see is everybody's different everybody responds to load differently everybody recovers a bit differently as well and things like that you know so you know, one of the things i would look at and if it's anybody you know that's going on this journey themselves is gauge your gauge your adaptability off your recovery from your long ones that's that's really really important so if you're you know it's taking you five days to get over a, an 18 miler or an 18k whatever it might be you might need to dial back the intensity in that actual long run do you know what i mean so I just be just be smart and listen to your body, but understand that the long run is really important, and it's like a dress rehearsal for the 
you know, for, for the big day. Yeah. And then in terms of like what's going to happen, you know, people talk about that, you know, after the 20 miles, like what is it that gets you? Like I sound really naive here and I, I, I will admit idiotic with seven weeks training. Like what is, is it, you know, oh, bad the, things, man. Is, it the, is it the quads? <laughs> is it the just, you just can't get through it or what is, what am I uh, getting myself in for here? I suppose like it's not really what you're doing is you're bringing a body into place that's never been, you know? So it'd be like somebody going into the gym that's never been in the gym before and just literally doing a ridiculous amount of sets and reps and their body not being able to sustain it. That's kind of, it's a similar enough principle. Okay. Um, what will go first? It's very, very hard to say, you know, it could be calf cramping. It could be quads. It could be hip flexors. It's different for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, I will just put it in there. I've had a, I had a, a guy recently, Stephen, who 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 ran the Dublin City Marathon on seven weeks training. Now he had just cycled around Ireland, so he was aerobically fit enough. But he comes, he goes, I got seven weeks. Think I can do the Dublin Marathon? I was like, I suppose uh, let's give it a go. And you know, he got through it. You know, so it can be done. What I would recommend doing is, you know, getting a couple of long runs done between now and then. I would maybe kind of not focus too much on the shorter ones uh in that small time window you know you could you know fit five long ones in if you could um and, and just really really focus on that and uh i'll i leave the the uh the gory details for you for you to figure out on the day but like i said you know when you, when you do get past it a couple of things can happen really look your body starts to does start to shut down a little bit um but the thing is like the human body is is a pretty phenomenal piece of kit and it can keep going do you know what I mean? So like, you know, I think once you are smart, you listen to your body, you don't do anything silly. Um, you know, I think when you're listening to those warning signals on a day, just roll it back a little bit and understand that, you know, going a little bit slower from the 20 to the 25 K mark, you might lose a couple of seconds per K, but if you go too quick, you lose a lot more than a couple of seconds per K at the back end, you know? Yeah. And then in terms of nutrition, that was the first run last week where I've actually had, I suppose, intra-workout nutrition. Um, you know, you'd obviously have them at halftime in, in hurling and GAA matches and stuff like that. But, like, how important is nutrition come race day? Like, what would you be recommending for people that maybe are going to do those longer runs in their training and on race day mm. to, to get through it? Like, is it is it fluids, uh, carbohydrates, electrolytes? Yeah. What, what is the main the main source? It's, it's a couple of different things. And like I said, like we, we think about the long run and we just think about the run. I think about a lot of other things as well. So like <clears throat> a pretty simple thing that, you know, some people don't even really think about is that if your marathon is starting at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m., I would start all your long runs at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., whatever time, because A, a what you're doing is you get to practice your meal time the night before. Um, so if you're having, a, you know, I like to have a carb enough meal the night before so like if I was running a marathon tomorrow, I'd probably have a pizza tonight or chicken pasta or something like that. Um, I, I always encourage people to test these things out for themselves as well. Okay. So test a couple of different things. <laughs> Maybe stay away from like the Indians and stuff like that and the Chinese till afterwards. But, you know, I, things like that for me, I keep it as plain as possible the night before. Plenty of fluids, not too much. Um, and we don't have to go crazy on, on carb loading either. I just feel myself when I go overboard on carb loading. I just feel really sluggish. Um, I just feel, you know, a bit bloated and stuff like that. So, you know, what I do is I use my long training runs as actual recce's for, for my marathon. And that comes with, with breakfast as well on the day. 
I would try a couple of different things. You know, some people can't really take berries and, and stuff like that with their breakfast when during a long run, or, you know, sometimes you might want to like, I have a client in particular who, you know, has stopped putting chia seeds on our porridge in the morning of a long run, little, you know, little things like that. And it's so individual for everybody else. So what I do is I say, Hey, listen, let's try a couple of different things, see how you feel. You know, another person much prefers kind of a, a bagel with, with, with jam, you know, and a, and a banana and that works really well for them it's very easy digestible these little things a quick quick hit of carbohydrates um intra i would practice again what you think you might want to do on the day um i think gels are a smart very very smart thing i think if you're kind of you know pushing the pace a little bit there's you know we roughly have about 90 minutes of glycogen stores in our body roughly plus or minus depending on the person and how well or unwell or how well or not trained they are um so again kind of after the 90 minute mark i wouldn't even wait 90 i'd be kind of 75 minutes even 60 minutes i'd be probably popping in a gel um if you're looking for a four-hour marathon or four and a half hour you know i'd go one hour and then kind of every 20 to 30 minutes after that i'd probably get a gel in with some fluids um you know you can look at caffeine supplementation i think caffeine's i'm a big caffeine fan in running out running everything uh i'm caffeine big big fan of caffeine whether it is training not training so yeah you know i like to have my coffee in the morning and my caffeine when i'm training so it, it, again a lot of the things with nutrition it's very different like you, you can have something that you enjoy like i i've i know a guy here in dingle that i train with that has like the, the natural confectionery jellies when he's training like we're doing a long long day running like he won't bring a bar with him. He won't bring a banana. He'll have a packet of those in his backpack. Do you know what I mean? And he loves something. That's what keeps him going, you know? And in so, terms of the, the caffeine, sorry, the, yep. you using a gum or are you using a tablet or what are you using for in the middle of the workout? Yeah. So I use torque gels. Um, I actually don't have one here in the kitchen, but basically they're torque, they're torque gels and they're caramel latte. I think there's about 80 milligrams of caffeine in them, which is a, which is a lot. And the reason I go with those is because I'm fairly high caffeine tolerance. Um, <laughs> if you're not used to taking caffeine and you have an 80 milligram caffeine gel or even two of them, they could blow the head off you and you could get very jittery while you're running it. Your heart rate could go up and stuff like that. So you know, if you've got a good, good caffeine tolerance, I'd recommend trying them out. Um, and again, you know, it comes back to the long runs. Uh, that's what they're for. So I would, you know, bring those with you on a training run, uh, set yourself a schedule. Sometimes I've seen in the past as well with Peter, uh, with people too, Peter, is that like, um, you know, they take on too much early and what happens is their stomach gets a bit full and a bit upset. And, you know, you're trying to run and then the blood is getting sucked, your stomach's trying to deal with all the nutrition in there. And it's just, it's just, you know, can, can kind of lead to tummy problems and stuff so we kind of want to maybe look at avoiding that but that's why i i like um the long run days are basically mini marathons uh, so that's what you're, you're practicing your breakfast you're 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 having exactly what you think you might want to have um you know for example if you're starving with the hunger two hours into like a long run or, or the marathon you might want to maybe like increase your breakfast a little bit or, or get a gel or two in a little bit earlier and stuff like that. So yeah, obviously there's principles there, but I, I do, I love when people just try things out for themselves and, and, and see what works. But uh, yeah, caffeine gels are definitely uh, uh, a good help. And what sort of fluids then would you be recommending for people? I know the oral rehydration salts, I find them very good for after, but would those be something you'd use in the workout, Lucozade sport? Like what sort of uh, stuff would you be using? yeah luke said it's probably in the back end just for the for the sugar really to be honest you know what i mean um at the start like depending on you know i suppose it's at, at right now you know where there's no uh, organized event so if you have 
maybe loops or something you're doing for your marathon that's fantastic because you can you know exactly that every 40 minutes i'm going to have water if i need it that's why you know any virtual like if any clients doing solo events or anything like that i was like listen pick a route and do circles or something like that because or leave a little bottle of water at the bottom of the driveway um so constantly sipping on water as you go is, is smart um sometimes we can kind of forget to do it that's why i like to have a little table set up about out by the door but a driveway whatever it is because you know when you pass it you take in something um at the back end you know people seem to like luke's sport i actually prefer flat coke um again it's just you know, a higher sugar content and it's what you need really at that point so for me flat coke works really well um i just find luke said sport a bit bitter um yeah. that that's personal to me at, at the back end of a, of a like if i had the choice to pick up one or two i'd be picking up the coke um and that's what i've used in, in, in the past that's coca-cola as well like <laughs> <laughs> in case anybody's uh anybody's wondering just your man from carry on about but um you know so coca-cola or flat coke or flat pepsi whatever you prefer um or, or luke said sport again this is a thing i would highly recommend trying in the long run i know for a fact like when you're three hours into a run and somebody offers you flat coke it's like taking rocket fuel so that and again it's just sugar that's all it is you know so it, it definitely helps and then the other question i had was is there a possibility like i've overhydrated for games before and i've actually started cram- i've actually cramped really early in games because i was super nervous about being dehydrated and it was going to be a hot day and yeah. i just found that i i overhydrated and just started urinating too much uh, prior to the game and all electrolytes are just being flushed out is that a, a real possibility uh, with marathon training as well it happens it's happened to me a couple of times before uh particularly before ironmans where again you're like you're <laughs> you're in for a big day and you know it's going to hurt a lot and you know you've a swim mass swim start with 2000 other people you just get a bit nervous as well and it's happened to me once or twice um, but what I've started to do is I've started to kind of load myself up with electrolytes about three days out. So my body's well, you know, I'm, I'm well covered. So it's not as if I took them all in that morning or that night or the night before. And then you end up, you know, urinating them all out or, or passing them all out. So if I was running a Saturday marathon, you know, I'd be kind of looking at, you know, making sure on, on Wednesday that, you know, I'm getting an uh, uh, electrolyte tablet or two. I usually put a lot of salt on my food as well. And um, so Himalayan salt or, uh, and stuff like that. So that usually keeps me pretty well covered. Um, and you know, I, then I just kind of sip gradually on, on the night before and the morning of, and, and try not to just, and then you're a lot of it. It could be, you know, I'm not saying that it's all mental, but some of it could be mental then as well. Like you're like, oh sure. I've been, I've been, I'm well hydrated since like Tuesday night. So I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? So, and then obviously the, you know, you know, the, the typical as well, the urine test kind of, uh, you know, the night before and that morning and things as well, um, is, is a, is a good indication for me. Sometimes I just like, I feel if I drink a load and go running, it's just slushing around your stomach. So I just like to sip very small bits very often uh, work, work a lot a lot better for me. And then maybe just to move away from the actual marathon training, I see you have a lot of 5K, you know, six kilometers in six weeks kind of programs to get people out running, which are fantastic. Uh, I know the couch to 5K was really popular a few years ago. Like, what would be your advice for people maybe that are sitting there? We have the option of a five, ten, half marathon and a full marathon on, on Patrick's Day. For people maybe that want to, you know, they've never ran before or they haven't ran in years, like what is the the process of getting up and uh, getting training for a 5K? It's not as scary as you think. That's the first thing I'd say. Uh, you know, we've had literally all types of people go from absolute and utter zero to running five, 10 half marathons, you know, it's just, it just takes you, I suppose it takes a little bit of discipline. And that's when people say to me, I don't have the motivation. 
you know, you can't get motivated unless you, you know, consistently do something, basically, you know, and then from the consistency comes a little bit of momentum and then your momentum, you get your motivation because you can see change. So for me, it's just getting up, like allocating a couple of minutes a day, basically. That's all it is at the start. And usually what I tell people to do is if you're starting a zero to 5K program or a couch to 5K program, whatever it is, um, you're starting walking, basically. You're going out for a walk with a little bit of running uh, in the middle. That's it. And you're walking back home again, you know. So it's very easy. Um, the second thing, and it's one of the things we always add into these beginner programs, Peter, is like, repeat a week if you feel like it's going too quickly for you sometimes people feel like you know i'm on week three you know week four looks really hard and i'm like yeah because you know it's 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 kicking on a little bit but my recommendation is to repeat week three once maybe twice and then go to week four allow yourself some time to adapt because we all adapt a little bit differently and especially when you're starting out you know we have some very fast adapters who you know maybe they played sport back when they were in their late teens or early 20s and they stopped for five or six years you know those kind of people can adapt very quickly. But if you've never really ran before, take your time. Like, don't, don't worry too much about it. If you're really so for a run, cool. Like, do go on the exercise bike, do a home workout. Just just do something. And there's there's more ways to to get fit than just running. Um, I know that sounds like a bit, you know, contradictory to promoting running, but don't worry about the running. Uh, you know, make sure there's, there's other things you can do too. Um, but the main thing is to take your time and, and, and try your best. I know at the start, it probably is horrendous and i've been there and i would try and enjoy it as best you can like uh drag out your neighbor drag out a friend or family member or something or your husband or your wife uh, and do it together you know use it as a, as a social thing and a, and a fun thing as well you know that's excellent and i'd highly recommend people if they are going to do that and um, we'll link in the uh, instagram post you have there for the zero to five kilometer program it's very very good and um, we've recommended to a few people that have decided to join us on on our fundraiser so um yeah i just wanted to get maybe into you mentioned there the race across uh the usa in, in 36 days i suppose for people then that maybe are looking beyond that or maybe they want to get into the mind of somebody that that considers that a good idea and um, some people might think you're crazy <laughs> but um what like like how did you break that up and i suppose what did each day look like uh on the bike and in terms of running and uh i suppose what was the recovery like as well Mm-hmm. yeah um sometimes i think i'm crazy too <laughs> uh, so basically after the 24 marathons um i was in the u.s i was in new york and connecticut and um i actually do a little bit of work with a university in connecticut which is which is really really cool and it was in the summer so there was no students there so we were there because they were making some revisions to the exercise science course and they uh, they invited me over and it was spent a week there in the university and all the labs and everything it was really cool and um just one day in particular i never forget it it was roasting hot i walked down the little town there's this cool little coffee shop i was sitting by the window my phone rang and i was just like it was an irish number so i was like i left it ring out because i was like maybe they don't know i'm in america or whatever it's cost my fortune if i answer then it rang again and i was it was a dublin office number so i was like <laughs> i hope this isn't the tax man but uh, i was like <laughs> it, but it was actually tom the ceo of the charity and um he, you know, cut it to the chase. He was like, look, I know you're in America. I won't keep you. But he said, I got some really bad news. And my first thought was that somebody was after dying. That was my, that was my first um, reaction, you know. So I actually got up. I left, I left everything. I left my laptop and everything on the table. And I walked out the front door. And he said that our funding has been cut by 50% for next year. So that was a kick in the teeth after raising 142 grand running around Ireland a couple of months beforehand. Um, and, and knowing that that had done such good things for people 
uh, you know, that, that, that money was used to put on summer camps for children uh, all over Ireland to help modify uh, a single mom's bathroom up in Dublin for her 13-year-old son. It was used to buy a little young lad up in Donegal a new set of wheels for his wheelchair. Little things like that. Like, it did good work. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, they, but they still need funding. They need money from the government. They need money from the lottery. And that was a lot of it had been taken away, which he then decided to tell me that what would meant was that the summer camps weren't going to happen next year. So for me, I was just like, well, that's a kick, that's a kick in the teeth. Do you know what I mean? I was like, we've done so much great work, got so much great press. We got other people fundraising for the charity. I was like, damn it. Like this is, this is not good. So the summer camps are massive because the kids come from all over. They look forward. It's called the shine week and kids go on a shine week. You have kids from every corner of Ireland coming to Wicklow and they have a beautiful little center there in Wicklow. They take them to for a week and it's a respite week for the parents as well. So the parents can come and visit, but it's also a nice time for the parents too, because, you know, they get a, a, a break, you know, and, and the kids get to go on this exciting summer camp and every child in the charity loves it. And they were being pulled. And that was, a, that was re- I just didn't sit right with me. So maybe at the time I was kind of thinking of doing something else anyway. I didn't know what it was. And uh, I was a bit upset, literally, you know, I'm kind of building it up now a little bit, but I went for a walk on the beach, you know, and the Fairfield, the little town is right on the Atlantic Ocean, you know, I was looking out in the water and I was like, Jesus said, if it was a clear day, I could nearly see Dingle, you know, and it just, it just hit me. And I was just like, there we go. I was like, you know, I've, I've run around Ireland and run across Ireland. I said, every ultra athlete wants to cross America. I said, let's, let's cross America, you know? So about 45 minutes later, I called Tom back, you know, and I was like, I know how we're going to fix the fundraising problem. And he was just like, what are you, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to cross America. So I'm going to raise enough money to put the summer camps on. And uh, that was it. I had decided literally within an hour I was going to cross America. Um, I then proceeded to open up my laptop and I realized that America was a big country and I couldn't run the whole thing. It would have taken me over a hundred days. So I was like, right, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Um, and I decided to bike and run it. So it was three days cycling. Uh, about 250 200 to 250k a day cycling and then three days running uh 50 to 60k and then that was six days and i repeated that six times so give me 36 days from the golden gate bridge in san francisco to the brooklyn bridge in new york city and um yeah to say it was one hell of a journey would be an understatement um i i went out early to to train at altitude in boulder i have some good contacts there in boulder an irish guy in particular, Ivan O'Gorman, who's based out there for a long time, he actually works with the US Olympic team. So I was kind of out there training, but I also learned a ton out there as well. And like, um, it's the Mecca, really. You know, you've got Muscle Beach for all the mostly people. You know, you've got, I don't know where else you've got. You've got Wall Street for all the finance people. And if you're into endurance, you go to Boulder. And it was just a great place. I was supposed to spend six days there and I actually ended up staying for like six weeks. So, you know, it was great training. And I was in good shape and my, my crew met me and my, 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 my father met me uh, in San Francisco and off we went and we started this journey. And uh, that was the second hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was just the length of it, really. Um, this thing was a month, a month and a week. Like it was, it was a long time, you know, and it was a long, long, it's a big continent and you're going through time zones and the weather and just everything. It was just such a, such a mixed bag. Uh, I was a shell of a man when I got to New York. I can tell you that I'd, I'd lost about 14 pounds uh, and I'm not the biggest lad in Ireland either. Do you know what I mean? So like it was, um, yeah, it was hard. I was putting away about 8,000 calories a day, but I still, I still lost quite a, quite an amount of weight. So it, it's pretty what natural. What was your worst day maybe to, to take the listeners through? What was the worst day that you had over there? 
day one. <laughs> day one was the worst day because um, I was supposed to cycle from uh, the Golden Gate Bridge to about 50k on the other side of Sacramento to this tiny little village, basically, um, and this campsite. And, and basically what happened was I, I cycled up through, you know, the Marin headland, which is just above north of San Francisco, around the lakes, um, towards San Antonio. Uh, the plan was to get to San Antonio around 11 a.m. on the first day, and the whole city was blocked up with traffic. I was just like, what's going on here? Meandered my way up through all the cars and stuff like that. It was just, the crew were way behind me, stuck in the traffic. It was just an absolute nightmare. Next thing, you know, the phones didn't work. We had no phone coverage outside of, outside of the city. Couldn't call them, didn't know what was happening. Came up to a policeman and I uh, asked him, <laughs> naively, coming from <laughs> West Kerry, I was like, can I, can, I, can I cut through there on my bike? And your man turns to me and said, there's, a bit, there's been a murder and a shooting. And he said, the city's shut down. You know, and I was just like, right. I was like, is there a detour I can take? He, he said, you can go left or you can go right. And he turned around and I was just like, right, okay, uh, what's the shortest route? And he goes, left. So I took the left turn and it added on about 45k to the day. Um, you know, we got to Sacramento, got separated from the crew again, ended up literally inside the river. I unclipped from my shoes, my bike, and halfway up my shin was in, was in water. And we were going down through this park and there was lads, you know, lighting fires in bins and stuff like that. And I was just like, I don't know. So I put my bike on my shoulder. I climbed over a ditch and a fence and I saw lights and I was at a petrol station. And I was like, please have Wi-Fi, please have Wi-Fi. And they know Wi-Fi. So I was sitting on the curb. It was about quarter past nine at night. It started at 10 past six that morning on day one. I was about 50k away from where it was meant to be. No phone coverage, nothing. Couldn't contact the crew. They had no idea where I was. I had no idea where they were absolute disaster start to the whole trip and uh, this guy literally comes out of the shop with i'll never forget he had a dunkin donuts cup and like a packet of like chips like american chips like doritos or something like that and the guy was huge he was like he was like six and a half foot he was huge he just rolls down the window of his truck and he just asked me was i okay i was sitting there with my head in my hands my helmet on the ground and like my like trying to find wi-fi on my phone he just asked me, was I okay? And I said, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of lost. And he said, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Ireland. And he said, where are you going? And I said, New York. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. He, he, rolled, he rolled up the window of his Jeep. And I was like, oh, he's going to drive off. But he reversed around and he got out. And um, he asked me if I wanted water, if I needed anything. And I was just like, can I use your phone? I was like, my crew were like, you know, 20 minutes away. And um, so anyways, rang my father. They were in the campsite waiting for me. I was ages away. And they, you know, put on that. Your man dropped a pin on his WhatsApp and they came and they found me. And that was a, that was the start uh, to my American adventure. I was lying in sleep that night. I remember just saying to myself, you're in for some, <laughs> you're in for some month. You know, if this is, if it, and I had to go back to that start point the next day. So from day one, I was 50K behind, and um, that was definitely the most challenging day. And I was behind all the way up until day 34, and I only got back on track on day 34. So it was a, it was a battle all the way to the end, but um, yeah, we got there in the end eventually anyway. And what was your immune system like? It's something that I would be worried about for training for seven weeks. Never mind 30, 36 days is like your immune system just breaking yeah. down. And like what, what did, were the things that you were doing to try and support your immune system during all that sort of uh, distance? 
Mm. So again, I worked pretty closely with a dietitian beforehand. Uh, my dietitian Evan, you know, he kind of kept me pretty much on track for, for the whole thing. So I was kind of supplementing with B vitamins and vitamin C and stuff like that. So I, I was kind of looking after that side of things. The other part of it is anything can happen in, in these things, to be honest. Like, you know, again, everything I've done, in fairness, I've gotten sick after it's not in it i don't which you know thank god it hasn't happened yet uh, in these things but i seem to get sick after you know i run down i stop i slow down a bit and then my body nearly has time to be sick then you know so i've never had any trouble during thank god but again in it i would supplement with you know a multivitamin and an actual a strong enough vitamin c tablet as well um during it again the main problems i had was i lost the feeling in my baby finger and the the next finger on both my hands actually um they're back now but during the event because just the pressure holding the handlebars of my bike um so right there you know your ulnar nerve comes down you know obviously from from your neck or whatever and yeah it just it just pops out here and the pressure on my wrists you know last the feeling of my fingers uh, which was hard breaking and, and things like that like trying to pull my water bottle out of my 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 bottle cage and just simple little things um that nerve then got trapped so i couldn't really look over my left shoulder to look for traffic uh, you know, little things like that. Uh, I picked up a little Achilles injury day nine, which wasn't really ideal. Uh, I climbed for four days straight up the Sierra Nevadas in obviously in you know Nevada and stuff like that. Huge mountain range before you even get to the Rockies, and my Achilles got a bit angry. Um, and it was day nineteen before that kind of cleared up. Um, so the, yeah, it definitely wasn't smooth sailing. That's that's for sure. Like even sleep was hard because your body's so your body is in such shock. Your body is literally trying to, you know, it goes into repair mode and then you wake it up and you do it again, you know. Uh, so that was that was quite difficult, but it gets to a point really, no matter how sore or how tired I am, I just, I, I, I sleep anyway, you know. Um, it, it would often happen, Peter, that I'd finish a day and we might have a 15 or 20 minute drive to the campsite and like I would I would they, they wouldn't even have started driving and I'd already have fallen asleep you know and they'd have to wake me up when we get to the campsite and like if they have a shower like you're stinking the camper van out here you know so uh yeah look it, it just it it was brutal uh, uh, that's one word of describing it but it was also absolutely amazing like I uh, again you know I'm not sure if you have any American listeners and I know you know uh, they, they don't get the best of press like God love them over in America but I gotta say like we we didn't get one one bit of problem one bit of hassle nothing in america we went through middle of cities we blocked up towns <laughs> like not one person shouted at us not one person beat at us anybody we were anywhere we stopped we had irish flags in the back of the camper van people would come over to us ask us where we're from what we're doing if we need anything people were so kind and it was such it was so nice to see because you know i've got more abuse at do, doing things in ireland than i have doing things over in america do you know what i mean it was just nice to see so we always felt comfortable we always felt you know welcome anywhere we went you know and like even in the in <laughs> in the outback and like the, these places like kansas and so we stopped at a campsite one night and just goes to show like you never judge a book by the cover you know we backed in our little camper van and you know i looked, looked i was getting my, my physio ali who was with us for the whole trip thank god uh, if she wasn't there i probably wouldn't have made it but i just looked across in the other camper van and there was a guy sitting and he had a huge gun on the table you know i'd never seen a gun in my life like i'm, I'm from jingle man we don't we we don't we don't see guns down here do you know what i mean so like i never in my life seen a gun i just remember like the fear you know and your man comes out of the camper van walks across knocks on our door says welcome he's going out to the shop do we need anything you know minded his own business and the people were just so kind you know and i it was really nice to see and actually gave me a lot of hope because i was like this is you know it's kind of nice uh people were very welcoming and, and uh yeah i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun and then in terms of like 
I suppose the negative side, obviously there's huge support and people are, you know, trying to give you as much uh, in terms of donations as possible. But like I watched, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the Iron Cowboy on, on Netflix and like there is a community out there of people when there's endurance events and you have to do them a certain way. And and this guy, I can't remember, I can't remember what he did. He, he couldn't finish it or something and he had to do some of the mileage on on a treadmill or was he did it on a bike yeah um, i actually i've actually had a couple of conversations with james um he was actually supposed to cycle with me in utah he's from utah originally um but it just didn't work out the schedule didn't work unfortunately but um yeah look there are there are there are people like that and look you know <laughs> you don't have to worry about the weight of a rock unless you pick it up do you know what yeah I mean? did so, you did you encounter any of that or were you worried like if i don't do this in 36 days there's going to be people here slating um, me not necessarily. I, I, I would have got more of it in Ireland, I think, actually, during the 24 marathons, really, um, you know, because, again, it was very public. Um, it was a huge the social media thing behind it was huge. I mean, you know, it was it was massive. So, yeah, look, you do get you any anything that happens positive, whatever. No, it might be as good of a news story as you can get. And there will always be some bit of negativity. And that look, that's just life. And, you know, but I must say with America, us, I suppose, being in a different time zones, being behind Ireland, you know, being in a different corner of the world, basically, I didn't experience it firsthand. You know, I didn't experience it personally. Social media, when I'm in these things, I kind of turn a bit of a blind eye to social media. I would post and say, oh, here's what blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't really get into comments and, and messages and stuff like that because I just don't really have time. Um, so, yeah, look, it is out there. I'm aware it's out there. You know, then when you look back afterwards and you look through the comments of posts and things like that, you see the odd one here and there. But ugh, I don't really get too worried about it because when you look at it, I mean, for me, really, it's it's and people always, you know, even with interviews and stuff like that, like um, it happened on the Today Show. Like I was on the Today Show uh, when I came home, you know, and the first thing was like the money. Like the money I raised was unbelievable, you know, and over the last eight years you've raised this amount. And I was like, there's so much more to it than the money. Like for me, the money is second probably. And but the number one thing is the hope that you get to bring to people. Like that's that's number one. You know, there's a young lad I'm good friends with up in up in Kildare, like his name is Aina. And Aina's like nine and he's been for like five like pretty serious brain surgeries. He's only nine years old, you know. And I remember meeting him during the 24 marathons, and his mom pushed him in his chair um on day 17, about a kilometer. And, uh, you know, he often says to this day, like, that that's, that's like been the highlight of his life, you know, a, a kilometer over a, a thousand kilometer event, you know, there was 999 other kilometers in that event, but that was his favorite. And that made like his life, like literally that year, that was his highlight of his year. And it was a six minutes for me. You know what I mean? So for me, that's, that's kind of what I try to focus on is like the hope that it brings to people and um, people feel involved in something. I mean, I'm representing people that don't have a whole pile to be hopeful for um, and have a massive ceiling in their world and in their life. So for me to be able to live a life without a ceiling um, and bring some support and hope and help to people, I think it's a, it's a good thing, but yeah, look, you do, you do get negativity with everything you do, but there's two sides to it as well. Like I would turn a blind eye to it, but also there's a side to me too that I wouldn't say it all the time, but a lot of the people that project that negativity, um, yeah, look, it's a reflection on them more so than you, but they know that they should be doing something more with their own lives. Um, and just seeing you pushing yourself to new levels and doing great things, it makes people uncomfortable. And, and that's look that I, I don't know people can take that whatever they way, the way they want but that's what i've learned over the last kind of eight years you know when you when you do good things when you push yourself and, and you do well 
it makes others uncomfortable because they know they should be doing more and they know that they should be doing something like you're doing, but they're, you know, they're not. And their way of dealing with it, then it'd be just making it negative, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I had a question there. I, I was going to ask you, you know, what's motivating you and what's driving you to do these things. But if, uh, if Aina and, you know, um, your cousin aren't enough, like, you know, it's, it's, that's absolutely unbelievable. That's obviously your main motivation right there, isn't it? Absolutely. But, you know, the other, the other thing as well is that I often get asked, like, where does it stop? Like, what are you going to like? And the, the answer is that, like, I hope it never stops. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, you know, grow, like when I was a child, like growing up, um, I would have been very quiet, like very self-conscious, like very, very low level of confidence, you know, and running gave me something to, like to be proud of in my own life, basically. You know, and it's it, when I began to run and when I started to, I suppose, develop it running and get better at it and enjoy it, um, it was the only thing that I was good at. Do you know what I mean? I was mediocre in school, hated college. Like, I was just good at, like, running and helping people. And, and I suppose it reflects what I do now to this day as well. Like, you know, my first business I set up when I was 20 was, was a gym with my best friend because we wanted to help people. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you know, it, it, that's kind of what it revolves around for me is just that, like, I get to do these things. And, yeah, you're always wondering, like, well, could you fail? Could you could you do something? Like, we're, I'm planning an event for the summer that, you know, it's way out of my comfort zone. But, like, and there's a huge chance I could fail. But I reckon I'd fail by not trying it anyway because I'd be thinking about it in 10 years' time, you know, if I have a young family or whatever, and I'm just like, I wish I did that thing. And for me, that's, that's failure in itself, you know. So if anybody's listening, it doesn't have to be a big event could be a 5k it could be just you know losing 10 pounds it could be picking up the phone and and joining a club or whatever it is you won't regret it and like for me i suppose you know the people that i have close to me uh, whether it be my cousin people through the charity <laughs> life is precious and life is short and i know every single day that like that i wake up and put my feet in the floor there's people i'm representing that can't do that you know what i mean so no matter how bad how bad a day gets for me or how tough a day is or with work or whatever you know um it'll pass and i can put my feet in the floor again tomorrow morning and, and face it and, and do my best you know so that's kind of why i enjoy doing what i do and it's fun and it's exciting and, and it just gives me gives me purpose gives me something to get up for in the morning you know that's super shane and uh i learned loads today even for my own preparation and uh you know you're incredibly motivating all the stuff you're doing um, I'm looking forward now to seeing what that event is in the summer. Um, for those people then that want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they get in touch if they want to learn more about endurance, if they want to get a part of your team and maybe train with you and stuff like that? Sure, sure. Yeah, I suppose uh, the website is probably the, the, the fastest way. I, I'm, a, I'm the fastest responder, uh, probably on email, really. Uh, so it's shanefin.com, which is, uh, took, me, took me months to come up with that name. Uh, but yeah, so shanefin.com is, is my website. We, we'll have another website ready now as well, which is all the education stuff, which is Shanefin Training. So we have a lot of online resources and courses and stuff like that uh, available for, for people, which is, which is really cool. Um, then as well, I suppose, you know, social media, I'm just kind of Shane Finn everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and then on the podcast as well. Um, so the podcast is a Pushing Limits podcast. And whether you want to uh, ask me a question or whether you want to give out to me for running or whatever it is, I'd be happy to uh, happy to chat to anybody that ever needs any bit of help or anything like that. I'd be more, more than happy to help anyone I can. Shane, thanks very much for your time. Absolutely delighted with that uh, great episode. And, and thanks a million for you know taking time out of your day for this. Cheers, Peter. Thanks for having me on, mate. And uh, best of luck. 
to yourself and uh, to the rest of the crew and, and your family and your fiance there getting ready for the, the event on Patrick's Day. I'm sure it'll be a bit of short term pain for the long term gain, and it's for a great cause as well. We'll definitely need it. We'll definitely need a look. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Optimize Your Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. And for more information on productivity and human optimization, please follow our Instagram page at Pop Productivity or head over to our website at www.popproductivity.com. Until the next time, take care.